Yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Wings. Hayden, talk about it. We allude to it all offseason. I cannot wait for the show. Let's take, you know, steps out on the ledge, my friend. Hopefully everyone else out there can understand. We're about to make some bold calls out here for the 2021 NFL season. The first one will be mild, then we'll get to spicy. It's like hot ones if you ever watched it. We're going to do the, the bomb. We're going to go to the very fire sauce. Uh, it's, 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 about, it's about Scoville's out here. We're trying to get like, what, four or five of these, right, out of the 15? If we get four or five of them, that's a win. Yeah, 15. I'll have about seven. Hopefully Hayden brought eight. Uh, you know, I wrote these, and I'm with you. They are bold calls. They're not what the public is thinking right now. But Hayden, the more and more I wrote about them, the more and more I started believing in the cases that I was making, as Hayden alluded to, we'll start off with ones that seemingly could be the most likely to happen and then end the show with some really, really uh, interesting cases. And we always we always talk about this, Hayden, like it might be best at times to take a step into the unknown, to make some cases that no one else is is making because that can help you win either in betting, in fantasy, anything else. And I'm ready to do that today. And before we get there, we need to talk about this free draft guide that we posted. Hayden, it's out there for everyone. It is linked down below. In fact, we are giving you $25 to go and check it out. Just use that QR code on the left-hand side of the front page. I'm telling you, we've got cheat, cheat sheets. We've got positional rankings. We have Hayden and I's ideal drafts down there below. We also have players that I'm telling you, you have to target and ones that I would make the case to avoid. Hayden has 20 of those players as well. Again, it is linked down below, or you can go to underdog or underblog.underdogfantasy.com to check it out. It's on my Twitter feed. It's on Hayden's Twitter feed. Again, we want you to win. We want you to enjoy this season. Anything else you need to say about the draft guide? Yeah, don't pay attention to the TJ Hawkinson stuff on Josh's section. That's the only thing I have to say. <laughs> These will update as well as we move along. It's beautiful. Shout out to Katie, who was on the underdog team. Hayden and Katie did an awesome job. Again, free out there. Just go and download the PDF or check out the site down below. All right, here we go. 15 bold calls for the 2021 NFL season. You need to kick us off, buddy. Austin Eckler, he's being drafted as the RB7. He finishes as a top four running back. I like Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. And then I kind of like Austin Eckler. Uh, two years ago, he was the RB6 per game. Last year, when he was dealing with all these injuries, he was the RB13. But I love what the Chargers did this offseason. The offensive line, they added Sean Slater, Corey Lindsley, Matt Filer. They already added Brian Bulaga last offseason. The offensive line actually looks good. Like, Have we ever said that about the Chargers ever? We like the coaching change. And then also, particularly about that coaching change, it's OC Joe Lombardi. He comes from the Saints. Who kind of comps similar to Austin Eckler? That's Alvin Kamara. In 2019, Alvin Kamara was the RB9 per game. Last year, Kamara went nuclear. He was the RB2 per game. The big difference here, this is what is going to make or break Austin Eckler's season. It's, is he going to have the goal line role? And if we're looking at Joe Lombardi, it's a new coaching staff. I don't want to just take last year's stuff and apply it to the Chargers this year. Alvin Kamara was sixth in the NFL in inside the five opportunities per game. Austin Eckler last year was 56th. So if Austin Eckler could split the difference, that's the ceiling outcomes here. This is a bet on Justin Herbert, the coaching staff, the offensive line. Everything's kind of piecing together for Austin Eckler right now. Love this. For his entire career, Austin Eckler and his body type has been kind of pigeonholed as just a role player as a secondary back. But every single time that we see Austin Eckler have the opportunity to be the lead dog, he can absolutely do, absolutely do it. And Hayden, what helps him is that there is no clear-cut second back. You know, we've seen at points during Alvin Kamara's time with, with the Saints, you've had Mark Ingram there. You've had other backs. Latavius Murray is there. No one of that caliber is even close to on this roster, at least we believe. So that helps the case. Like, what if Austin Eckler, the plan might be, well, eventually we can have another back with him? That can't happen this year, right now, unless Joshua Kelly takes a massive step, unless Larry Roundtree or Justin Jackson is there to do that. And just what we saw from Justin Herbert last season, elevating this offense, now we have Brandon Staley, we have Lombardi, we have these names that can, you know, create a structure around him that is a winning formula for the entire team. The lead running back on that team being drafted right now as running back seven 
it's a complete unknown after Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook on those running back cases. And I think you can make the case that maybe, oh, maybe Austin Eckler should be the third, the fourth back off in fantasy drafts this year. In our draft guide and the ideal draft section, I had the 111. I went Devontae Adams, Austin Eckler. If you can get that started, it's like off to the race bases. Like those guys have immense ceilings. We love Austin Eckler, the player, too. I mean, he's just so explosive when he's healthy. Yeah, he's being drafted like right on that 112-113 line right now. I absolutely love that value. All right, one down, 14 to go. Let's keep it rolling here. Trey Lance, the rookie quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, starts every single game. You know, we're going to look back, I think, in three weeks for this statement. If you're watching this video, you know, the last weekend of August, you're like, well, duh. Right now, that's not the case. And you hear this phrase, Hayden, quote-unquote, quarterback competition. This isn't a quarterback competition between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just a matter of time. I mean, the team elects to trade a future, their future, for this target player at number three overall. And you think the coach, the, the person that in his head is replacing, who's already on the roster, like that he wants him to continue to start once the regular season rolls around? Absolutely not. I mean, we believe that Kyle Shanahan is a great play caller. You're for certain seeing him go up to like his office, map out plays that only Trey Lance can can run. You know, he's had years with Jimmy Garoppolo to orchestrate things. He's witnessed, you know, great offensive minds that he's friends with across the league, have these mobile quarterbacks, especially near the red zone. And he says, man, I wish I had one of those. And he has one of those now. Hayden, I'm not going to say that Jimmy Garoppolo has capped this team, even though he has capped this team. But if Trey Lance, as long as long as he just shows accuracy, you know, placement on his passes, which if he wasn't, we would have already heard about that. And we haven't. All that we've heard so far is it's glowing reviews. Trey Lance is going to start every single game for the 49ers this season. I have no idea, but I know it's well within the range of outcomes. And for Best Ball Mania 2 and your fantasy drafts, he is the ultimate flyer for the quarterbacks. Like we know, we've seen it before in the Shanahan offense. RG3 won the rookie of the year, had an elite season right off the the gate. If he didn't get injured, we would have seen RG3 be a top five fantasy quarterback for years. We think that this 49ers offense in general is really, really, really good. Right now, they have three stud pass catchers. Like we haven't seen that with the 49ers for a little bit. This is like the best the 49ers roster has looked, especially on offense. And if Trey Lance can get out there, he's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He's being drafted closer to like our uh, quarterback 13, quarterback 14. I get it. There's a lot of risk there, especially if you're doing uh in a one quarterback league. But man, the upside is like definitely worth the um, the risk here. If Trey Lance is out there for like 17 games, he can be like a top six, top seven, top eight fantasy quarterback. Again, Kyle in his head has already replaced Trey Lance. Uh, excuse me, Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he did that, you know, this past April, trading up to number three to go get him. And you'll hear right now that Jimmy Garoppolo is a starter, that he's looking better than ever. We haven't even hit one game of the preseason. So, I mean, what do those statements allow us to do? It allows us when Trey Lance looks good. Oh, man, it just drives the narrative that if he can topple when Jimmy's at his best, Man, what a what a player this is going to be. We've been here before. We've seen it with Carson Wentz. We've seen it with Cam Newton. We've seen it with so many others. Again, once we roll around to week one, Trey Lance is the starter. All right, Mark in the chat. Hayden's first take, exceedingly mild. Josh's first take, mild. This is the, the spectrum that we're on. We go from mild to burn your face off with these predictions. And by the way, all of you, leave yours in the live comments or in the comments down below if you're re-watching this. After we're done, we want to hear these and we'll respond in the comments afterwards as well to give you maybe a rating on how spicy your bowl prediction is for the 2021 season. All right, Hayden, number three, what is it? Remember, we're in the Tabasco Tapatio section of this (laughs) podcast. We're not even getting to the bomb yet. All right, another mild one right here. Rashad Bateman, he's the wide receiver 55, an underdog, leads the Ravens in receiving. That means he'd be better than Marquise Brown, who's the wide receiver 45, better than Mark Andrews. And the reason why I think Rashad Bateman could do this is number one, Marquise Brown is dealing with a hamstring injury and it's quote unquote worse than expected per Harbaugh. And Marquise Brown needs his hamstrings. Like all he does right now is he wins vertically. He's not a complete receiver. He's never developed. And that's the exact opposite of Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman is the developed receiver. I think he was awesome on tape, especially on these slants in routes, breaking routes. He's, he's pretty lengthy, 
but he also can get in and out of his breaks. And a lot of these receivers at the X position just can't do this. I think Rashad Bateman is going to really elevate the Ravens passing offense within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage in my wide receiver prospect model. He was a 91st percentile prospect. The reason for that power five, four, three, nine speed early declare productive and productive with another pretty good prospect in Tyler Johnson too. So I love the scheme fit. I love Rashad Bateman, the player. This is also a little bit of a bet against Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews. If I'm drafting a single player to pair with Lamar Jackson in fantasy this year, it's by a mile to me, Rashad Bateman. I have so much I want to say about Rashad Bateman, but he's a part of one of my statements later on that I want I want to save it just for that, just a little bit, but I'm with you. I mean, at wide receiver 55, where Rashad Bateman is going right now, and I believe Marquise Brown's around wide receiver 44, their ADPs need to flip. It's it's that simple to me because you don't when you have two first round picks and you prioritize the wide receiver among them, one with outside to inside versatility, you are drafting and selecting the number one pass catching option on your team, other than Mark Andrews. Let's put it that way. And I, love I think he's going to be better than Mark. I think he's going to be better than Mark Andrews. Correct. And so I, what I think is, it, it, there's absolutely a path that he is immediately over Mark Andrews. But we've seen Andrews do it in the past too, so that's a possibility. I don't want to rule that out either. Yeah, I, I think Mark Andrews is going to be fine. He's more touchdown dependent. I think like Rashad Bateman's going to be like the first down chain mover. And when they need it's third and six, who are they going to? It's going to be Rashad Bateman. I've seen some some training camp videos of Rashad Bateman absolutely routing up like Marlon Humphreys, like some of these Ravens, top like top ends corners, just routing them up and winning with speed. It's not just I, I talk about the slants because that's like what he was awesome at in 2019 and 2020. He also has a speed to win vertically. So, I mean, this seems like a complete player. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a Justin Jefferson of, of this draft class where immediately is a top 10 fantasy receiver. But I can see Rashad Bateman being like wide receiver three this year. Well, let's just jump to that then. For me, Jamar Chase, who is going as 43 overall in drafts right now, wide receiver 21, will be outscored by two other rookie pass catchers in this class. I mean, this is an imperfect situation for Jamar Chase to walk into this year, but no rookie wide receiver has ever been selected this early. Correct me if I'm wrong with that, Hayden. Like in our years of fantasy football, I've never seen, and I understand he went in the top five, but a rookie wide receiver be drafted as the wide receiver 21 overall, and the position has never been better in the NFL. Fair? Yeah, that's fair. I think it was like Amari Cooper was kind of in this range, but outside of that, it's been him. So to continue on, the statement that he'll be outscored by two other rookie pass catchers. Joe Burrow was last year's quarterback 18 when he was healthy through 10 weeks of the NFL season. Now he's coming off major knee surgery and training camp reports are training camp reports, but reportedly not looking good in practice. Plus T Higgins is being drafted one slot after where Jamar chase is at wide receiver 22. And my favorite value in that passing offense is Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 37 with a long the worst offensive line in the NFL. So mention those other names, Hayden. It's absolutely possible to me that Jamar Chase, could he be third on his team in targets this year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I was doing pro my projections earlier this offseason, it's basically like I just gave all three of them 20%. That's kind of what we saw. AJ Green had about 20% target share, basically dead even with the other guys. I think that Jamar Chase can be better than AJ Green was last year. Like, obviously, that's just going to sure. be the truth. But there's some upside cases with like this was a very good wide receiver class. And we're talking about like Elijah Moore as a candidate, Rashad Bateman, Devonta Smith, Rondale Moore, possibly. There's a lot of guys in this class that could have a pretty good season. So, yeah, I'm kind of in. And if you recognize how I worded this, rookie pass catchers, Kyle Pitts is a part of this. Kyle Pitts, 47 overall, could easily surpass him. Devonte Smith, who's wide receiver 33, again, 12 spots after just in his position group. He has the clear path to the top targets on his team. You just mentioned Rashad Bateman. There's an easy case to make for him to be the top target getter and on, on his club. Jalen Waddle, wide receiver 48, and Will Fuller could absolutely be a great one-two combination for the Miami Dolphins and Waddle because where he's going to be asked to win could lead the Dolphins in targets this year. There's only positive things being said about Elijah Moore, who's going as wide receiver 54. Again, when you consider where all of those other players are going versus Jamar Chase, who's locked in, with names that we have seen as top 10 wide receiver names in the past, I don't know, your Adam Thielens, your DJ Moores, so on and so forth. Maybe not for an entire season, but for long stretches, these have been awesome players in the NFL. It's just too rich for my blood. Now, again, I'll take it a step further to make these bold calls. 
that he'll be surpassed by two other rookies in this class. All right. Up next, now we're going to turn up the spice level a little bit here. Robert Woods outscores DeAndre Hopkins right now on underdog fantasy, wide receiver 15. Robert Woods, DeAndre Hopkins is the wide receiver five. If you look last year, uh, Hopkins was the wide receiver six per game. Robert Woods, the wide receiver 16. On the fantasy usage, which is my stat that kind of converts targets and how close you are to the end zone, to the sideline, it's like fantasy expected fantasy points. Hopkins was wide receiver eight. Robert Woods was wide receiver 13. Now, here's the thing that that's happened, that what you could see these things flip. Obviously, you get the Cardinals adding more depth to the wide receiver spots. Rondell Moore and A.J. Green, they go four deep at wide receiver. And when I was looking at my yards per route run stats this offseason, one thing I learned is how many wide receivers are on the field really impacts your yards per route run. In two wide receiver sets, wide receivers average 2.27 yards per route run. In three wide receiver sets, that drops all the way down to 1.63 and if you go to four wide receiver sets, it even drops a little bit further. So DeAndre Hopkins has more target competition here. Obviously, he's still such a stud. I'm not like really betting against DeAndre Hopkins, but I do want to buy into this Rams passing game. I was out there. Matthew Stafford, I know he had that little thumb injury. He seems totally fine. The big difference for Robert Woods in particular with Matthew Stafford, it's going to be his A dot. Last year, Robert Woods had a career low A dot. Average depth of target was a lot right next to the line of scrimmage. But Matthew Stafford obviously is going to throw the ball more downfield than Jared Goff. And in 2018, Robert Woods had a career high A dot with, with Jared Goff at 10.5 yards downfield. I think that's where he's kind of going to settle in at, like closer to 8, 9, 10 yards. That's how you get these wide receiver one ceiling outcomes. So this is a good way with a high floor, but also a high ceiling with Robert Woods. I even tried to convince you to take this one step further and couple in Cooper Cup in it and say that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were going to be the highest scoring wide receiver duo in the NFL when you consider that the Tennessee Titans wide receivers of A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, Seattle's of D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Dallas's of Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, and Tampa's of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are all being drafted ahead of both of these you know, Rams wide receivers, at least the pair of them. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I've been on record on previous shows. Go back and watch those as well. Are the clips or the full podcasts that look, it's not like Matthew Stafford has to be better than what Matthew Stafford has been in the past. I think Matthew Stafford just has to be who he, who he is and he can match what Jared Goff did in 2018 of being fourth in passing yards and sixth in passing touchdowns. What he did in 2019 and sixth in passing yards, because this is a player who unlike Jared Goff, who was the worst at his position in the entire NFL when it came to a drop, a steep drop of inside of structure, clean pocket throws versus pressure throws. That is not Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford knows how to handle, you know, anything that is put in his way in terms of being able to make off script plays. And so just the amalgamation of all that, Hayden, is going to allow the rest of the tides to rise. And Robert Woods and Cooper Cup could be the biggest beneficiaries of that. When I was at training camp, I saw the Rams in a lot of shotgun and a lot of three wide receiver sets. And the third wide receiver seems like it's going to be a rotation between Van Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson and maybe Tutu Atwell. But I, I think it's very clear. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are clearly going to be the number one and number two option. So I like Cooper Cup where he's being drafted too. They just keep being viewed as like safe wide receiver twos. We've seen each of these guys flirt with wide receiver one numbers and we're removing the Brandon cooks from like those like peak years. The, there is no Brandon cooks in this offense right now. It's just those two guys. And then they're trying to get a little something out of the wide receiver three spot. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a reason why they wanted to add some role players and Tutu Atwell and Deshaun Jackson to fill that void. But you mentioned at the top, the reason why the a dots of Robert Woods and Cooper cup were so low was because of the quarterback play, you know, yeah. to me that that's a string that's associated to this guys. And Cooper cup has this weird, almost unique role at wide receiver where at times he's like the team's second tight end where he like chip blocks and gets in motion and all those things. I'll be very interested to see how his role changes this year. If I'm with you, Robert Woods to me, if I was going to invest in these wide receivers, it would certainly be him. All right, let's keep on this wide receiver path. I think we're at number six here. Hayden Marvin Jones will lead the Jaguars wide receivers in production this season. Now, first big picture look at the Jaguars passing game. I'm not sure if this team is going to have, you know, one 1300 yard receiver. I think the wealth 
is kind of going to be shared among a bunch of names. I mean, DJ Chark has one season of over 750 receiving yards. LaVisca Chenault has one in his career of over 1,000 yards, and that was his sophomore year of college. Uh, Marvin Jones only has one, and that was all the way back in 2017. But let's make the case for Marvin Jones here, because I don't think the case is actually strong for the other two either. I mean, he has two seasons, other seasons outside that 1,000 receiving yard season of at least 900 yards. He has a history with Darrell Bevel, with Chark and Visca already on the roster, the Jaguars in Urban Meyer, in Daryl Bevel, and company. Marvin Jones was a priority in free agency. He was signed in the second day of free agency. I don't care if he's 31 years old. This is age 31 season. That makes me think he is locked into a starting spot when the two other guys were already in the passing game. We know, hopefully, what DJ Chark is. Maybe we don't. You know, people are drafting LaVisca Chenault like we know what he is. We don't know what he is. Travis Etienne is pure speed. That's why he was drafted in round one. And Urban Myers also talked up DJ Chark in that he was a big wide receiver who played small last year. Hayden, who plays among the biggest wide receivers in the league? That is Marvin Jones. Over the last few years, nine touchdowns, nine touchdowns, five touchdowns in nine games, and nine touchdowns again. Marvin Jones can easily lead this team in touchdowns at wide receiver and can lead the entire wide receiver grouping at wide receiver 57 in total production. I can easily see him leading this team in air yards too. I think that he's like, he has a very defined role. LaVisca Chanel doesn't run deep. I think DJ Chark, they want him to run deep, but we'll see if he can do that. Marvin Jones is like a legit NFL starter and he has been forever. He's always slept on and he always outperforms his ADPs. I, I do think I'm, I'm with you. I think these ADPs should get a little bit narrower between the three, I, particularly with DJ, DJ shark. I can buy the upside case for LaVisca Chenault, um, but more so maybe in like PPR. I, I think it's going to be a lot of check down stuff for LaVisca Chenault and he's going to be a yard after the catch monster, but I'm with you. Marvin Jones, I don't think is a distant third option here. Like this could easily be a one, a one B one C all three of them average or have like 800 yards. And then we'll just see who finds the box. Um, in the red zone. And I think that Marvin Jones would have a pretty good case to be that guy. Whenever we update our rankings, I keep pushing DJ chart further and further down. And I keep moving Marvin Jones further and further up. Like you're saying, th- these ADPs need to be closer. Again, DJ Chark is going as wide receiver 34. LaVisca Chanel is going as wide receiver 39. I do not understand other than age. If you just want to input that, and that's the only thing you care about why a priority player with history with this OC is being drafted, who has way more production than the other two, is going to be drafted as wide receiver 57. In an offense that we know is going to pass the ball, that throws vertically as well, that most likely will be playing from behind. Good game scripts for our cases in terms of negative and passing. Marvin Jones, to me, is one of those easy point-and-click selections, and it is that way in our draft guide, which all of you can go get for free out there as well. All right. Six down. We're getting chirped in the chat. We're getting some good answers in the chat as well. Hopefully everyone down below is leaving their bold predictions for the 2021 season. I also want to say we're creeping up on what? 300 reviews on Apple podcasts. Uh, Hayden and I, uh, whenever we, you know, have a glass or a bottle of wine, uh, like to just give away t-shirts to people who reviewed the show. So uh, go leave a five-star rating, leave a review, a comment, obviously on Apple with your Twitter handle included. I'll reach out to you. Hayden re- will reach out to you randomly, and we'll just start giving away some underdog T-shirts. Right? Sounds like a plan. And we're almost at twenty five hundred subscribers here. So if you're if you're new here, subscribe. We have four or five different uh, live shows per week. It's only going to ramp up as training camp, the NFL season kicks off here. Love it. Ready for the next one, Josh? Let's keep it rolling. Daryl Henderson, he's being drafted as the RB twenty two, is top ten in rushing yards. I've been at training camp the last couple of days. And I see Daryl Henderson out there for like 80% of the first team reps. Xavier Jones mixes in a little bit, but he kind of mixes down when it's like third downs. Daryl Henderson, I think they really view him as a good rusher. And that's kind of what he was at Memphis. And we've seen it in spurts, especially last year where Daryl Henderson could rip off some really big plays. And the thing that has caught my eye is the Rams brought in a new offensive line coach from Stanford and that's power rushing. And that's what Daryl Henderson was awesome at in college. So if they're going to kind of gear up and get Daryl Henderson to back what he's used to and when he was rushing for a crazy amount of production in college, I want to buy in. And obviously, we just have to look at the Rams history 
on the ground. Here's what they ranked in in rushing yards uh, over the last couple of seasons. They were 10th, 26 when Todd Gurley was absolutely dusted in 2019, but he was third and then an eighth in 2018 and 2017. So that's three out of the four years, top 10 finishes in rushing yards. I'm not scared of the veterans that the Rams are going to bring in. Like, who is it going to be? Like, maybe Adrian Peterson, a Duke Johnson. Maybe they trade for, like, a Royce Freeman or something like that. I'm not very scared of the guys that are available. I I understand the questions about his third down production. Only 4% of his touches came on third downs last year. So I get it in full PPR. But in half PPR, and if you're just looking at rushing yards in general, I think Daryl Henderson has, like, top 10 potential here. Wow. I think it boils down to your evaluation in Daryl Henderson here, because to me, a case can be made against him as well. Like one, he wasn't drafted for this role. You know, as soon as they drafted him, they talked about him as kind of a change of place player Uh, Two, he's finished both seasons injured with ankle injuries. Right. Um, Do you think that he is just far more talented than someone you can, that's either on the roster right now, or someone you can just pull off the street? Like, do you think he is of the running back talents that creates yards for himself and adds on to whatever the offensive plays either allow him to to pick up or yards that are blocked for him? I think so. I I think he's just really explosive. Like, he's not going to be the – like, Cam Akers was being drafted in the first, second round because I thought he had, like – third down potential, like full-blown three down potential. I'm a little more skeptical of Daryl Henderson being that guy, but purely rushing the ball. And this is a top 10 in rushing yards purely is my prediction here. I think he can do that. And if the Rams are as good as we think, there will be positive game scripts for Daryl Henderson to do it. And I think that if it's Daryl Henderson versus some guy that gets one week with the Rams before the week one, then give me Daryl Henderson as a pretty good chance. I mean, we're not talking about a scrub prospect, a third-round guy, lots of production, early declare, an okay athlete. We're not talking about just some, like, geek uh, off the street that just, like, is just so some random dude. Daryl Henderson was, like, a decent prospect. Like, we're not talking about just some random scrub here. So I don't think he's the greatest player, but I think he can be explosive. Um, The Rams already signed one geek off the street. So (laughs) you catch my drift. All right, (laughs) here we go. Let's keep it rolling. Uh, I'll stick with a running back here. David Montgomery repeats his top 10 running back season from last year. I mean, in 2020, David Montgomery finished as the running back eight in fantasy points per game. Now, that was mainly built on the back of games 10 through games 16. I mean, these were his point totals in those contests. 20 points, 23, 21, 28, 18, and 19 points. He absolutely smashed the final few weeks of the season. And I don't expect that to continue on a weekly basis because that's basically running back one overall or running back two overall pace. But what if, Hayden, that production is spread out across the opening nine games where he only topped double-digit scoring three times last season, right? And by the way, I talked about those you know final six or seven games of the season. Why on earth is David Montgomery being drafted as the running back 18 and Jonathan Taylor is being drafted as the running back eight? if both are being drafted or like with what we have in mind is their final seven games of last season. Cause they're very similar. They're very similar in terms of the point totals. And so what was a factor in David Montgomery seeing that ridiculous production? It was Tariq Cohen going out for the first three games of last season. So we saw that David Montgomery was able to get four and a half targets per game, about 68 targets on the season. Well, Tariq Cohen still hurt. Damian Williams was brought in and seems to be getting some receiving work as well. But Hayden, that's also a guy that, you know, sat out all of last season. So we don't know what he is again, all that we have seen. And I think what people are attaching still and holding against Dave Montgomery is his rookie season. Why not just think of the last seven or eight games of last year. And you see an absolute stud in the backfield who might even be elevated based on quarterback play and just improved offense overall. I will say with David Montgomery, there was a change last offseason where he dropped some weight. He said he was really working on his explosiveness. And like that was the thing that was the big difference is rookie year David Montgomery could not get to the second level. Like he could not have any breakaway runs. If he's lighter and if he's more explosive because of his offseason offseason training, that's good news. And I, I kind of want to believe it. And I like Damian Williams a lot as a late round dart throw because okay. I do think that he can step in for the David Montgomery role. But I'm with you. I'm not expecting anything from Tariq Cohen. It's not even just his ACL. Look at his 2019 numbers, guys. I mean, we're talking about one of the least efficient 
running backs in the entire league before his ACL injury. And he's really tiny. I'm not expecting basically anything from Tariq Cohen. So that makes me a slight believer in David Montgomery. It makes me a big time believer in Damian Williams too. And this is a very narrow tree in terms of production on this offense. You obviously have the quarterback. You have Allen Robinson and Darno Mooney. Then you have who's ever in the backfield. And I understand if you want to talk about receiving role and if David Montgomery can, can keep that. And I understand he got four and a half targets per game last year. But it's not like a lot of those were in the red zone or inside the 10-yard line. Hayden, in fact, Dave Montgomery only saw four targets inside the 10 all season long last year. That area could improve. I mean, we could see a jump to 8 to 12 this season, depending on how Matt Nagy wants to to run and, and script his offense. And so, like, again, I understand not wanting just to take an overall running back because it's the dead zone and Dave Montgomery hit in it last year where he's being drafted right now. I'm just making the case that when we look back on it and David Montgomery finishes back-to-back years as a top 10 running back in fantasy points per game, the case to be made was clear. I agree. All right, next up, Mike Williams, the wide receiver 38, outscores Kenny Galladay, who's being drafted as a wide receiver 26. Let's go top down, team first. Passing yards last year, the Giants were 29th. The Chargers were 6th. Passing touchdowns, the Giants were 31st. The Chargers were 10th. Then we're looking at target competition. Kenny Galladay is dealing with Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, and Saquon Barkley. The Chargers with Mike Williams, it's Keenan Allen, and then it's Josh Palmer, Tyron Johnson, Jared Cook, and then Austin Eckler. So Mike Williams is dealing with less target competition in a better offense. And then we have the training camp reports here. Kenny Galladay is getting an MRI. They don't expect this to be a bad hamstring injury, but a hamstring injury nonetheless. And he's adjusting to a new offense and the new offense can't even get through a practice because they keep punching each other and they have to keep running wind sprints. Um, meanwhile, with in Los Angeles, uh, Chargers OC Joe Lombardi is predicting a big year for Mike Williams. He even said, if I were a betting man, I'd bet on nice numbers coming from him on the stat sheet. Mike Williams talked about how he's going to move around the formation a little bit more. We've seen the comp where Mike Williams is going to be in the Michael Thomas role, which is expected. Michael Thomas was the X receiver. Mike Williams is an X receiver. But all the things are pointing in the right direction for Mike Williams in a contract season for a big, big second-year lead. Whenever he's been healthy, he's been good. So it's all about the health, and this is a bet against Kenny Galladay staying healthy. This is a bet on Mike Williams just coming out for a huge season in a contract year. I understand the case to be made for Kenny Galladay. I think Eric, and maybe it was Ryan Hodge. Ryan Hodge came on one of our drafts. Go back and watch those live drafts. The Hodge one, the buying for ones are fantastic for all of you new to the channel. And it's, you know, a, a player who was prioritized by his team, you know, given top wide receiver money, he's going to be the number one wide receiver on the team if he is healthy. Um, but Hayden, one, he basically just sat out all of last season. Like he could have come back and he just didn't want to for the Lions. Understandable. But then he's being drafted like he is locked in to production at wide receiver 26 on a team that is run by Joe Judge. Doesn't seem very good right now. And a play caller in Jason Garrett and a quarterback who I think combined for 12 touchdowns total yep. last season in an offense that also has Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, a first round wide receiver and Kadarius Tony. That's a lot of pieces that probably need to be managed correctly in order for Kenny Galladay's ADP to hit at wide receiver 26. So to me, that's way way too high of an ADP versus where you and I have Mike Williams as well ahead of his ADP at wide receiver, what, 30, 38 right now, because that's an offense I want to believe in. It's, it's as simple as that. Like maybe we have Galladay higher in our rankings, but when it comes time, we're skipping on that one because we want to wait to get Kenny Galladay, excuse me, Mike Williams, two or three or four rounds later. Yeah, at cost, it's not even close. It's like for sure Mike Williams for me. Like Mike Williams could be a top 20 fantasy receiver this year. Like that's like definitely within the range of outcomes. If, if Herbert's as good as we think, and if Staley is as good as we think, and the offensive line is as good as we think, we've seen two wide receivers have top 20 numbers at the same exact team. And that's because there's no wide receiver three. I mean, it's like freaking Josh Palmer and Tyron Johnson. Like, give me a break. Mike Williams, a first round guy. People always forget because he's been injured and he's been in and out of the lineup talking about a really high-end prospect here and i'm like i mean this is just another easy way to get some exposure to justin herbert your feelings on contract year players 
I don't think there's like that big of a difference. I, I will say that the narrative last year about uh, wide receivers changing teams and decreasing, I will say Kenny Galladay kind of fits that mold where we're not talking about superstars. It's like superstars rarely change teams. And that's why I thought DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs, that was a little bit different. When you're talking about tier two, tier three wide receivers changing teams, this is where I think you can kind of be buying the top of the Kenny Galladay market. And he's just not the dude. And I think that with Daniel Jones and not Matthew Stafford, it's a pretty big difference. And I just think like on, on top of the target competition, the Giants offensive line is like abysmal. I mean, they're injured right now too. And they were already projected to be one of the bottom five units. So it's going to be a lot. Like I'm okay with not drafting a single Giant this year. Like not even a single one. Maybe Kadarius Tony late, maybe Sterling Shepard really late. I'm out on the rest of the guys. We have some comments from some longtime supportive of, of ours. Nick Berg, what have you all done to AJ Green? He just went in the 12th round. Uh, ML, AJ Green, the 12th. That's gross. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to do it again. AJ Green outproduces Rondale Moore this season. I love Rondale Moore. In fact, on this very program, prior to the draft with Matt Waldman, we deemed Rondale Moore thick Tavon. I'm buying into all the practice clips of him breaking ankles, you know, with breaking routes out of the slot. And we know he's like an absolute terror with the ball in his hands after the catch. But let's lay out some facts on both of these players. Rondell Moore has played in seven games in the last two seasons and has combined for 690 scrimmage yards in those two years. Rondell Moore is being drafted as the wide receiver 58 and A.J. Green is being drafted as the wide receiver 75. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, they've said it. The players have said it. The coaches have said it. The reporters have said it. Is locked in to the left side of the field. And guess who is locked in to the outside right wide receiver? Yes, that is hopefully the ageless A.J. Green. And it cannot get mathematically worse than what happened for A.J. Green last season. Look, I understand it feels rich that A.J. Green now is going as like, a 13th round pick. Hey, even Nick saw it as a 12th round pick. Hey, now I would advocate that's where AJ Green should have been going this entire time. Yeah, I think especially after we've seen some reports that he is looks like he's kind of rebounding here. I will say just looking at the Cardinals rotation here, it's the three wide receiver sets. And I know the Cardinals run a bunch of four wide receiver sets. And I think they can actually run more four wide receiver sets this year than they did last year just because of the depth. But still, we kind of overrate how many times the Bills and the Cardinals actually run four wide receiver sets. It's going to be like 35% this year. And that leaves a lot of the production in three wide receiver sets. And if that's true, I think it's going to be Rondell Moore versus Christian Kirk in the slot as the primary training camp battle. And DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green kind of in the roles where they're playing 95, maybe 85% of the snaps. And Rondell Moore versus Christian Kirk are the ones battling three wide receiver sets. So for me, I'm with you. I understand the Rondell Moore love. I really think he's an absolute baller, but I think AJ Green's going too late. And I think that Christian Kirk is going too early in the draft guide. He was one of my, my fades. Let's plug that draft guide. Everyone out there, go and check it out. Let's pull it up here. Hayden. Uh, again, we have a cheat sheet with our top 200 overall rankings. We have positional rankings for quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers and tight ends like Hayden is showing right now. We have the players I want you to target players that I want you to avoid Hayden's players. He wants you to target Hayden's players. He wants you to avoid. And maybe most importantly, if you check out that QR code or if you use promo code, the show, if you're a new user and you skip the guacamole, just deposit that money straight into underdog, whatever you want to deposit. Boom. We give you a free 25 bucks. Go play the puppy. It's five bucks a piece to hopefully win a hundred grand or you can go play Best Ball Mania 2, turn that $25 into a million and one dollars, the biggest season-long tournament ever. So go, it's on the app, it's on desktop, go and check out Underdog, and especially the draft guide, free. It's free down below. Skip the guac, hashtag skip the guac. Exactly, Matthew. All right, and I think we have just a couple left. Keep it rolling. It's about to get spicy. It's about to get spicy. Go ahead. Is it my turn or your turn? That's my I turn. Just, yeah, I just did okay. that. I just, I just hyped up AJ Green some more. Why wouldn't I want to attach my ship, my boat, to a player who's about 37 years old, maybe in the final year of his career? Why wouldn't I do that again? All right. You distracted me. Hunter Henry, the tight end 19, outscores Dallas Goddard, who's being drafted as the tight end 7. 
This offseason, we have Hunter Henry securing the bag. $25 million guaranteed. He's being paid as a top five tight end. I know that Hunter Henry's kind of been in and out of the lineup with the Chargers, but Bill Belichick has loved this dude forever. And I think there's like some weird connection. Nick Rudman, our boss behind behind the scenes here. I think he told me that like, there's like some weird high school connection between everybody here. So I'm expecting Hunter Henry to play almost every snap. And I think that if I was just deciding between John Smith or Hunter Henry, who's going to play more downs this year? I think Hunter Henry in the Gronk role is going to outsnap, possibly run more routes than John Smith, who's going to be more in the Aaron Hernandez role. And I think that uh, Hunter Henry is going to be the red zone option of this team. He's a little bit bigger than John Smith. And then going over to Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard only averaged 0.3 more half PPR points per game than Hunter Henry last year. I'm expecting the Eagles to pass less often this year. Remember, because the Eagles were so bad last year, they were 10th in pass attempts. What happens if they're 23rd or something? There's a lot less targets to go around, and there's more target competition because Don- Devonta Smith's in town, and the current ADPs are pricing in that Zach Ertz is leaving. We just heard Howie Roseman saying that he expects Zach Ertz to stay. That's still definitely up in the air, but if Zach Ertz stays, Devonta Smith's as good as we think. It's going to be very hard for Dallas Goddard to pay off this top 10 price tag. And Hunter Henry is like my favorite tight end to at, at cost right now. I believe there was even a photo last year when the Patriots and the Chargers played that after the game, Bill immediately went over Belichick and just like started hugging Hunter yes. Henry. And we're like, okay, we know that where he's going to sign this offseason. And guess where he signed? New England. Um, one of these Patriots tight ends is going to hit. I am absolutely sure of it. I feel like the public, based on ADPs, is concerned that neither is. And also, it's difficult figuring out which one is because, Hayden, both are extremely talented. I mean, John Smith going as tight end 17, Hunter Henry going at tight end 18 or 19. I don't think it's as simple as, well, they're going to cancel each other out. I truly believe, like you are saying, one of them is going to. And I think you just made a really good case for Hunter Henry being the one. I could also make the case for John Smith. But overall, I just want to make the case that one of these Patriots tight ends I think is going to smash because whether it's Cam Newton, whether we think it's going to be Mac Jones, um, there is a reason why. I mean, follow the money. Follow the money. This team wants to be multiple. They want to have these mismatched tight ends. And Josh McDaniels has done this in his past with his name with, with people at this position. Now, I'm not comparing either one of these to Gronk or Aaron, Aaron Hernandez on the field. But we know that this is what he wants to do. And uh, being able to do that in one offseason with these types of talents, again, one is going to hit for sure. Yeah, the blueprint is there and the money is there. And at tight end 19, I mean, come on, guys. We're drafting guys that have barely played in the NFL above Hunter Henry. They're giving Hunter Henry so much money. Like, he's going to be so involved. I, I, I really can't believe this. Also, the other note is Hunter Henry's currently leading the first team offense and training camp in targets, which means a little bit, maybe a little bit. But they're getting the ball to Hunter Henry in practices right now. Stop taking Evan Ingram and Mike Gesicki over Hunter Henry. Stop doing it. I don't care if they're supreme athletes that you think that ceiling is high. Hunter Henry is in a better situation than both, just individually, individually with his current position and his current role. Um, in the chat, we had someone ask about AJ Green versus Terrace Marshall. This is the perfect time to repeat this bold call that I continue to make because, Hayden, it's one that I'm just buying into even more. Look, I love Robbie Anderson. You know, I have him, I think, all the way up at wide receiver 22. I love DJ Moore, and I'm taking him at cost. I mean, Robbie Anderson last year was 10th in total targets. Did you know that? 10th in total targets last year, Robbie Anderson was. Biggest value in fantasy drafts right now. And DJ Moore was 23rd in targets last year. But they combined for just seven touchdowns. So when teams go back to the drawing boards during their offseason, the Panthers wanted to get better in the red zone. So you bring in Dan Arnold, but also you bring in Terrace Marshall, who, bold prediction, leads the Panthers in receiving touchdowns this season. I mean, look, I just talked about Robbie Anderson seeing 10th most targets in the league last year. He only saw 12 red zone touchdowns, uh, targets, and that led to one touchdown last year, Hayden. I mean, DJ Moore only saw nine red zone targets last year. It also led to one touchdown. It was an area of the field along with game potentially winning drives that the Panthers absolutely sucked in. So you bring in Terrace Marshall, who previously has worked with Joe Brady and scored 13 touchdowns with him in a season, six foot two has caught 25 of his 41 contested opportunities the last two years and has totally hit 
the ground running in training camp. Love me some Terrace Marshall. And if I could, would get long shot odds again on him leading a great, a great Panther skill position unit in receiving touchdowns this season. I love Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson has the body of like an Instagram model. He's so skinny, and that's why he doesn't get the – yes, I, I wish I can say the same myself. Uh, Terrace Marshall is like an absolute alpha when he's out there, and he was a very boom-bust prospect, in my opinion, because of the health injuries. He was kind of inconsistent at LSU. But, man, that dude scored a bunch of touchdowns at college, and he has that profile in the slot particularly. When they're in the red zone, they go three wide receivers. Who's going to be closest to the quarterback? It's going to be Terrace Marshall there. So – I can totally see this. I think that Terrace Marshall is kind of the rookie that's being overlooked a little bit. He's pretty cheap in drafts. I think if you have five or six, you feel good to great about five to six of your wide receivers. Terrace Marshall, sprinkle him in as your wide receiver seven. If he does nothing, so be it. If he goes off, all of a sudden you have another person to compete in the, it, it, uh, at your flex spot. I love Terrace Marshall at cost right now. And you all can check out in my – rankings on the draft guide i mean i have him at wide receiver 57 he's going as wide receiver 65 i'm in i am so in and hayden if for some reason one of those outside top wide receivers goes down then he also has outside inside versatility too or they just bring in david moore and terrace marshall still because the number three wide receiver is more important than the panthers number one tight end in joe brady's offense it is that simple um now if i really want to take this one step further and want to hedge a little bit i would say dan arnold is it possibly to also have this? Stop. Handle? No, it's I'm serious, Hayden. He's going to be an important piece inside the 10-yard line. But let's keep it with Terrace Marshall and continue the good vibes for the rookie who I love pre-draft and still love him post-draft. I will um, I also think- say, real quick, I will also say Sam Darnold's being, I think, underdrafted. He's like, what, the quarterback 27 and ADP, and we have him as the quarterback 22. Teddy Bridgewater was like about the tight end or the quarterback 21 last year. There's a range of outcomes where Sam Darnold just way better than Teddy Bridgewater. Like I'm not banking on that, but like that's well within the range of outcomes here. Yeah, he's going as quarterback 27. I think you you just said, and I mean I have DJ Moore over ADP. I have Robbie Anderson over ADP. I have Christian McCaffrey as the number one overall player. I have Terrace Marshall over ADP, and that means I have Sam Darnold. I think it's like my quarterback 22. I think we both do. Yeah. So that's just the addition. The math has to work out that that way, Hayden, right? It has to yep. work out that way. Um, okay, I think we have three more left. Go ahead. Trey Sermon finishes top 10 in rushing yards. So historically, if you look at Kyle Shanahan's offenses, they were 15th in rushing yards last year, second in 2019, 13th in 2018. Then you go back to those days where RG3 was being an absolute baller, and that's kind of the blueprint that I'm thinking the 49ers are looking at this year because Trey Lance and RG3 share a lot of the same characteristics here. In 2013, in RG3's second season, they were fifth in rushing yards. In 2012, in RG3's rookie season, they were first, led the league in rushing yards. Alfred Morris, in that season, he had 1,600 rushing yards. As a sophomore, the next year, he had almost 1,300 rushing yards. So obviously, Raheem Mostert's not going anywhere. This would have to include Raheem Mostert missing some time, but Raheem Mostert, on the smaller side of things, the injury history is there. There's a range of outcomes where Raheem Mostert suffers an injury and then Trey Sermon's the guy. And I love Trey Sermon, the prospect 73rd in adjusted spark athleticism. The key here is it's his three cone. This is a big dude. His three cone time was 84th percentile for a, like six foot one, 215 pound back. A lot of jump, jump cuts on tape. This was a very much trust the tape evaluation. Kyle Shanahan trusted the tape. And then all reports in training camp are awesome. Kyle Shanahan is the last note I have on him said that Trey Sermon has been very smooth so far. He really has that whole running back group. It's kind of pick your poison. They all bring a little bit of a different flavor to it, but Trey's been impressive. The guy, even just in the facility, the time he puts in after everything, when everyone's gone, he's just one of those last guys in. And you know, you appreciate that in a young guy. I think Trey Sermon has this massive, massive rushing ceiling. He just needs Raheem Mostert to chill out for one second. <laughs> the the Shanahan history, I don't know, like Olandis Gary, Mike Anderson, Ruben Drones, those names will mean nothing to you, Hayden, but they'll mean stuff to a lot of people out there who watched in like the 2000s, the Shanahan scheme, just be able to manufacture rushing yards to middling talents. But they don't believe that Trey Sermon is is a middling talent. They believe he's an awesome talent because they packaged multiple picks to go up and trade for him. When someone like Kyle Shanahan does that, that's important. Now, 
I truly think that, you know, taking him and Eli Mitchell was mainly for the 2022 season because that running back room is empty by then other than those two names. But it could immediately be right now. It could immediately be right now, especially with this team kind of investing a little bit more in center, investing a little bit more in bigger bodies to create some movement up front, having two awesome tackles in Trent Williams and, and Mike McGlinchey. You add some moverability, some athleticism at the quarterback position too to unlock everything a little bit. Look, I, I think what you're saying about Raheem Mostert is true, that he offers a skill set that no other back on this team and maybe few across the league do because he's the most explosive back in the NFL. But Trey Sermon, if you just look at the two prototypes, is the one that should have the volume of that for sure. And I think near the goal line is where Trey Sermon could really pop off because I think he's going to be the guy over Raheem Mostert, even if Raheem Mostert's healthy. Just like look at the size difference, man. And I just think that I think that Trey Sermon's a really good, really good running back prospect. I know he was very hit and miss in college. He had some injuries and he transferred. He's a little bit older and he wasn't an early declare. I get all that stuff. But man, there was a couple of games last year where he looked yeah. like the best player on the field. And we're talking about a four-star he went to Oklahoma guys like I know the production wasn't there but it's a little bit harder to see the field when you're at Oklahoma and Ohio State rather than UCLA when you're going to an elite college you can expect you can expect some guys to kind of mix and match a little bit earlier on so I'm going to be buying the anti-analytics on Trey Sermon and go full-blown trust the tape tape detective yeah, maybe people pre-draft should have talked less about Kenny Gainwell and more about Trey Sermon, and even post-draft too. Maybe a little bit less about Kenny Gainwell than uh, more about Trey Sermon. All right, my last one. Let's turn it up to the final notch. Russell Wilson finishes as the overall quarterback one this season. Look, Tyler Lockett is enamored with this new offense. DK Metcalf is enamored with this new offense. We have seen Russell Wilson approach this top scoring potential in the past. I mean, in 2019, weeks one through nine, who was the quarterback two overall behind Lamar Jackson? It was Russell Wilson. From weeks one through eight last season, who was the quarterback one in fancy points per game last year? It was Russell Wilson. Things fall apart, f- fell apart in both of those years. Maybe that's on Pete Carroll. Maybe that's on the offensive line. Maybe that's on Brian Schottenheimer. And heck, maybe it was on Russell Wilson as well. But all he has to do is to have that great first start and then continue it to the second start with a new play caller that creates more layups, that creates some easier throws because he has everything he needs right there, Aiden. I mean, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, are you freaking kidding me? And I'll say this, this story disappeared just a little bit, but the Seahawks have to make Russell Wilson happy this year or else it's trending towards a divorce. I mean, his agent freaking released teams he would be okay being traded to. Where'd that go? And who does that? No one does that. Like, that that just that story just left. It's gone. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers. But, again, Russ did not play well at the second half of last year. That's totally a fact. But I'm going to treat that as, like, just a moment in time and focus on maybe a little more in-shape Russ a little easier and well-orchestrated offense that Shane Waldron can, can go with. And then his intended air yards, which is, you know, top five, top 10, the NFL every single year drops just a little bit. And maybe we get a little efficiency to go along with the wild playmaking that Russell Wilson brings the table to. Yeah. He has that unlimited ceiling right here too. So, I mean, the one thing with Russell Wilson is it's, they added some pieces to the offensive line. This might be the best offensive line Russ has had in like the last, what, five-ish years. I mean, we're talking about some of the worst offensive lines in the league. This will not be that bad of an offensive line. The big thing for, for Russ is, can he hit his check down? Does he want to hit his check down? Can Correct. he see the check down? And that's the big difference here. And you have to be buying in that with Waldron there, that Russell Wilson's going to be accepting of that and actually hit the check down. And if that's the case, then he has this massive massive ceiling here because we already know he has one of the best deep balls and two of the best deep ball receiver receivers in the league. So it's just about hitting the, the check down stuff. And we've never seen that before in Russell Wilson. That's always been the biggest flaw in his game. Maybe the coaching staff, maybe the pressure of this is the last year. The Seahawks are all in that, that changes. And if that does change that, that's when he has like this top three potential. Yeah. Shane Waldron's going to do his best to make life easier for Russell Wilson. Russ just has to allow for it to happen. You know, he just has to allow for it to happen.
Uh, it's there. I mean, I, part of the reason why I wanted to bring this up, Hayden, is because we spend so much time on those top five quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray. And then in my brain, I immediately jump to like that next group I want to target, like your, your Aaron Rodgers, your Matthew Stafford's, your Tom Brady's, your Trevor Lawrence's, these other rookies that I just like completely gloss over Russell Wilson all the time. But it's right there. That, I mean, it's, it's adding up a little bit of an unknown. And maybe the unknown is just super nice. Maybe the unknown is super nice. And he has to keep up with some other great NFC West offenses. All right. One more to hit the 15 in this one hour. Hayden, let's do it. All right, time to scorch the earth right here. Cole Beasley, the wide receiver 64, outscores Cortland Sutton, who's being drafted as a wide receiver 32. Let's go top-down approach again. The Bills, neutral pass rate, third. The Broncos last year, 25th. EPA per drop back, Bills, third. Broncos, 31st. What's changed? It's literally just Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater with the same coaching staff. And then the Bills, it's the same coaching staff. The weapons are the same. Cole Beasley, I understand why he's dropping all all of his Twitter account and all that stuff. It's nonsense. But he's very unlikely to be cut. I mean, the Bills are trying to win a Super Bowl right now. And Cole Beasley has said it himself, and I totally agree. This offense relies on the slot receiver a ton. Last year, Cole Beasley was seventh in yards per route run versus zone coverage. That is his bread and butter. When they're going against zone coverage, Cole Beasley is the dog. And last year, 20 uh, in 2020, he was the wide receiver 37 and half PPR points per game. There is a little bit of a ceiling to chase here. And then going over to Cortland Sutton, Vic Fangio said that he's seeing a little hesitancy from Cortland Sutton. He's still holding back a little bit. Those stuff's kind of catching my eye. When I saw the training camp clips, I was a little bit concerned with Cortland Sutton. But then it's just like the competition for Cortland Sutton. Not only is the quarterback play bad, not only are they going to probably play a little bit slower because the defense is good, it's Jerry Judy, it's KJ Hamler. It's uh, Noah Fant, Tim Patrick, Albert O, MG3, Javante Williams with that top five offense. I'm worried about Cortland Sutton as the wide receiver three. And I think that Cole Beasley, because of his Twitter account, has become like one of the best values in all of underdog fantasy right now. Totally with you on Cole Beasley. Prior to Cortland Sutton's injury, I think he was on that like true number one wide receiver trajectory. But the more I think about it right now, the more I truly believe that Jerry Judy, who is being selected about two spots at wide receiver after Cortland Sutton, should be like that team's top wide receiver target. And it's trending that way. Maybe by the time that you listen to this, Jerry Judy is already ahead of him in wide receiver ADP. And so there's also the fact that right now you're taking potentially the Broncos' number two pass catcher at best at wide receiver, what, 32? And then that's attached to Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke, who we just don't believe in. And like Pat Shermer, who's fine, like solid, but that's nothing in comparison to the Buffalo Bills. So you're getting either Cole Beasley. I would throw an Emmanuel Sanders into this potentially too, that you're getting what Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver 63. You're getting Cole Beasley at wide receiver 64. One of those is going to be the Bills number two wide receiver this year. And we just believe in that team at a 30 spot difference. At the position, that's madness. That's absolute madness. Yep. If you want to read more, go look at the draft guide. I've got my must-draft players. Cole Beasley is right in the mix. Use our promo codes. Like the video. We're trying to get that 300 Apple reviews because I want to give away some T-shirts here. So I know we're promoting a lot of stuff, but this is what happens. New channel, the peak of the fantasy football offseason is approaching. Come support us. Like the video, and we'll 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 treat you guys nicely with T-shirts and best ball tickets and all that stuff too. We love giving away stuff, especially after a glass or two of wine. Uh, before we get out of here, Hayden, I just have a couple of rapid fire ones that I just want to throw me. out without any backing. Uh, Najee Harris leads the NFL in touches this season. That's absolutely possible. Um, a tight end leads the NFL in receiving yards. This season, no tight end has ever done that. But Travis Kelsey was second last year. I believe Darren Waller was among the top 10. We have, you know, some new names and Kyle Pitts that maybe can jump up there. Heck, TJ Hawkinson potentially has a chance of doing this. If he's, I mean, TJ Hawkinson could lead tight ends and targets this year. Maybe that's potential. Who knows what could happen with his receiving yards. But that's a super, super bold take. Um, We've got some good ones in the chat as well. And by the way, if you're watching this afterwards, leave yours down below as well. Again, 
We're going to be posting our quarterback rankings, running back rankings, wide receiver rankings, signing rankings in video form. So go and subscribe to the channel. We have so much good content to help you win. That's all we want to do this month on this very YouTube channel and take us on the road with you via the Underdog Football Show on whatever podcast platform you want to use. One more plug. Go and check out the draft guide. That is down below. It is free. In fact, we give you 25 bucks if you enter promo code the show when you deposit anything. We done here, Hayden. I got one more. Tim Tebow outscores Travis Kelsey in fantasy points this year. I truly ask you to not bring up Tim Tebow's name in the show before we got started because it's just a meme and is like wasted words and, and air, but you did it. There we go. You did it. All right, everyone. To all of you watching, I truly appreciate you. For all of you that are new to the channel, welcome. We hope to see you again. That's Hayden. I am Josh. I'll save the Jack Grealish monologue for another time. But still, as always, up the villa. Talk to you all soon. See you.